Hey, I'm Crawl Call. It's our last show of 2015, and today we're taking a look back at the year gone by. From our most talked about guests, to the most memorable moments, to the shows that you've streamed and downloaded the most. Today, I'll be counting them all down on a special edition of Crawl Call. <laughs> That's terrible. <laughs> Merry Christmas. Welcome to another edition of Kroll Call. It is a special edition. I am here sitting all alone by myself in the Kroll Call studios on Christmas Day. Okay, so I'm not. This is a pre-recorded show, but it is brand new, and it is a look back at the last year of Kroll Call. I hope that you are all enjoying your holiday. I hope that you are spending time with family or loved ones. If you're not, I'm glad that you're here hanging out with me because, you know, this show would not be possible if it weren't for you out there listening. I think of you as my sort of extended family, the family that I've never met, the family that I don't have to worry about gathering around a table with and having a food fight with, although that could actually be a lot of fun now that I think about it. That being said, I've got a list of 10 shows from the past year that are, for one reason or another, memorable. They may have provided some memorable moments, there may have been guests that you were all talking about, or these may have been from shows that you listened to the most. Of course, there are many ways to listen to Kroll Call. You can listen to the show live every Friday at 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Talk Radio Network. You can also go to krollcall.com, and we have the links there so that you can listen to it free. If for some reason you can't listen to the show live, fear not. You can always listen to the show in our archives on demand anytime. It's completely free. Or if you are so inclined, you can go over to iTunes. You can also download the podcast there for free. There's even an option to subscribe to Kroll Call. And every time you go on iTunes, when there's a new show of Kroll Call available, it'll automatically download for free to your computer, to your listening device, to whatever it is that you download your shows to. You know, since this show started back in January 2010, then known as Soap Central Live, now known as Kroll Call, I have done a lot of talking. Do six years, 52 weeks, multiply it. You're talking over 310 hours of me talking. And I have talked about a lot of things in that time. But I don't know that I ever thought that I would be talking about an escaped turtle. No? Well, I did. Back in February of this year, I had a chance to chat with Jonah White, who, among other things, is an inventor. He created Billy Bob teeth. They are, you know, little raggedy, jaggedy teeth that you put into your mouth and you look like you have a, a really crazy smile. He came on the show on February 27th, 2015, and we talked about that and his menagerie of animals, some of which he's saved from being euthanized. But when he had his back turned, of all the animals he had, it was a turtle 
that escaped. Let's take a listen to a little snippet of that show and find out where and if he found the turtle. We rescued a timber wolf about uh, a month ago. Uh, we got him just about four hours before he was being put to sleep. Oh, wow. How does yeah. one adopt a timber wolf? I mean, it's, you know, a lot of people don't want to go to their local shelter and adopt cats, dogs, right. bunnies. How did, yeah, how did timber, this happen? A timber wolf is something not of a lot of demand on timber wolves. Um, <laughs> well, you know, I believe, I, I believe in, I don't believe, Dan, I don't believe in karma. Um, I know probably a lot of your listeners do, and you might, but I don't. I don't believe life is fair, and I don't believe in karma. I do believe if you surround yourself with good people, good things happen. But that's not karma. That's your choice. You've, you've chosen to surround yourself with those very good, loyal people. And um, one of the people in my circle that I, that, of friends that I have that, that is indeed real friends, um, they called me about a month ago and uh, said, you know, what USDA permit do you have? I said, well, I have a large carnivore-rated permit. And they said, um, very good. And typically when one of my friends asks me something like this, there's like another line coming <laughs> after that. They said, do you want a timber wolf? I said, I don't know. And they said, well, a shelter, a friend of mine runs an animal shelter in Jacksonville, Illinois, called PAWS, P-A-W-S. They have a timber wolf, and they need to place this timber wolf with a family tonight. I said, what do you mean? And they said, she'll call you. I said, okay. So they did. And so I saw this, and I called this lady back, and I said, okay. Um, her, name's, her name's Lisa Jackson. I said, Lisa, what, what's the story with this wolf? She says, well, he was raised with dogs his whole life, and he's a beautiful timber wolf, and he's seven years old. He's a male. And the owner who raised him moved away. And the wolf was given to someone else, a neighbor or somebody else, and they were not able to take care of him. And he ran wild and kind of fended for himself. And he was caught in a chicken coop. He'd eaten all of the neighbor's chickens. And the dog catcher was caught him. And they brought him to my facility, and I have to place him in a home that has the same permit that you possess. And I have till night, till midnight to place him, or else I have to put him to sleep. It does make me think, uh, as I see that we're almost out of time for this segment, yesterday, the world, in addition to some dress that people were looking at, but the world was fascinated by a llama escape in Arizona. Huh. Have any of your critters ever, you know, wandered off? Yes, they have, actually. Um, I probably shouldn't admit to this, but, you know, I'm human and I do. We had a tortoise, um, and... Um, he was a spurred African tortoise. He's a beautiful guy. And I put him in the pasture with my fainting goats because there's a lot of space, and I thought he would get along great with them. And I have a very strong fence, but this sucker bored underneath the fence. He dug underneath it. This spurred African tortoises can dig like crazy. And he dug a hole underneath it and disappeared. And I, li I live on about almost 1,500 acres out in, the, in, in uh, the central part of the United States, in western Illinois. And we put a huge manhunt out, me and the kids, and we went over hundreds and hundreds of acres looking for him, and we weren't able to find him. And that sucker turned up about 20 miles away. 
Wow. How long and later? I mean, I'm thinking they not that can't long. move that fast. Like less than a week. Another, you know, I'm, you know, someone found him crossing a road. They thought it was a snapping turtle, and when he got out and looked at him, I mean, he's big. He was probably about 45, 50 pounds. And when they found him, um, they're like, well, there's only one person that has exotic animals around here. And so they brought him over to my office, and they dropped him off at my Billy Bob office, and I got him back at I'm kind of feeling bad. Your tortoise traveled further in a week than I think I do. I don't know what to say to that. <laughs> well, you know, hunger is a great motivator. I, I'll give you that. Wait until you see yeah. how far I go after this show to get some food for dinner tonight. That's absolutely yeah. going to happen. While they may not technically classify as wild animals, some of the stars of reality television behave far more poorly than any animals you will see in the wild. Fortunately for us, one of the stars of Drama Queens, Christy Ferris, was really on her best behavior when she dropped by Kroll Call earlier in the year back in June, and she was telling us a little bit about what went on behind the scenes of the show, what went on with some of her co-stars. It was really quite fascinating. So what do you say we take a little bit of a listen to my interview with Christy Ferris? The show in its entirety originally aired on June 12th. It's in the archives. Take a listen to it if you like it. But for now, don't touch your dial. Let's listen to our number nine show of the year featuring Christy Ferris. Yeah, Passion Fuku was Cuckoo. It's not a traditional... <laughs> It's not a traditional soap opera, that's for sure. Uh, you know, where everything's all dramatic and, you know, serious and crying. Except for Teresa, the one of Lindsay. Mm. Lindsay cried every freaking show. I mean, it was like insane. I never <laughs> could understand how she could get those alligator tears out of her mouth without, like, faking it. You know, or putting drops in her eyes. I'm like, dang, she's good. Um... But it was cuckoo. I mean, we had our drama in it, but <laughs> we, I, what I loved about the show and the producers, um, Lisa, they allowed us to, well, at least they allowed me to bring in that humor. Mm-hmm. And because I started off as a uh, comedy actress doing sitcoms on like Moesha and Sister Sister and Steve Harvey and, you know, all those type of shows. I was able to bring that into passions and I was thankful because I didn't have to stifle who I was as an actor. I got a chance to play it all on the show. So, and I remember when I first saw the show, I thought the show was horrible. I was like, why my best friend used to watch the show? And I'm like, I can't believe you watched it. (laughs) Oh my God, what is this? You know, because I couldn't understand the storyline. It wasn't the actors, but it was the storyline. And I'll never forget, two weeks later, I get a phone call. And you know what, to be honest, I think I was being a little biased, too, because they would not audition me. I was trying to audition for um, Brooke's character, which played my sister, Whitney. And I had six people call on my behalf, agents, managers, publicists, and they would not see me. And I think I was a little, like, standoffish because I was like, I don't like that show. They wouldn't call me in. But two weeks later, after I said that to my best friend, needless to say, I get an audition to, you know, for the show to play Simone. And um, I called my best friend. Oh, my God, I need your VHS. This is when VHS was around. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) I I need your VHS tape, your VHS tape. And so I went over to her house 
and watched the episodes and ended up auditioning and I remember messing up in the audition. I kind of, uh, kind of fought with Jackie, who was the casting director. It was so funny because, you know, she was like, "Oh, you know, what's your age?" And I was like, "Oh," because I knew my girlfriend went in um, a week before another girlfriend of mine, and she's like, "Don't tell her your age," because, and at that time she was older than I was. She was twenty, I think she was twenty-five, and at that time I was twenty-four, and the character was sixteen. And they asked me, you know, my age, and I was like, well, you know, some people think I might be too old, or too young, and some people might think I'm too old, so I don't like to tell my age. And so she and I went back and forth, and finally I said something that I was like, oh, she's going to be pissed at me, because I was like, oh, well, why don't you just call my agent? And she was like, start the scene. And I was like, uh-oh, she's pissed. I'm not going to get a call back. <laughs> and then I messed up the audition. I messed up on, like, the second line. And I was like, oh, sorry, can we start again? And she's looking at me like, this trick. Then they say, you know, I messed up again. I was like, I'm sorry, I'm not listening to you. Can I start again? And I know she had it in like, what the heck is wrong with this girl? Then I ended up getting through the audition. And then she gave me a call back. And I met with the producer. And needless to say, I go into the audition and I mess up again. And I'm like, I'm oh, sorry, can I start again? And I, I don't know if she gave me a look or if I'm just making it up in my brain from my memory, <laughs> what I think she did. So I made it through. And in the middle of the scene, I put my hand on a glass table and the glass table almost fell over and broke. Whoa. And I was like, there is no way this woman is going to call me back. And then they called me back and I tested for the show and I ended up booking it. You so know. when I tell that story to students, I always say, what's meant to be yours is yours. Nobody can take it away from you, and you can't even mess it up. I think that applies to things other than acting. I think that's like sort yeah. of a life lesson. Mm-hmm. I totally agree with you. Because I, mean, I even messed up in the testing. When I tested, I did the exact same thing, kept messing up in that same spot. But, you know, I still got it. Earlier in the show, I had mentioned that after 300-some shows, I thought that I had talked about everything. Well, the flip side is true for guests, because you have to figure after a certain number of interviews, questions are duplicated. They're asked the same things over and over, and I make it my mission to try to come up with questions that guests may not have been asked before. Or... As was the case when Lily Melgar dropped by in November, I wanted to make sure that I gave her an experience that she didn't have before. She, of course, has her own weekly show, The Soapbox with Lily and Martha, and it appears that her co-host, Martha Madison, doesn't let Lily play some of the games that they play. So I was all about it. Let's take a listen to our number eight show of the year with Lily Melgar and playing Would You Rather. I have a speed round. Now, you guys, meaning you and your cohort in crime, Martha, yeah. like to do the <laughs> Would You Rathers. So I've got a couple oh, yeah. in the speed round for you. I'm so happy because she, oh, she never includes me. She only asks the guests. And I'm like this oversized, overgrown child that always wants to play. I love games. So I was like, I hope Dan has a game for me. Yes. I do. Are you ready? Let's do this. I'm ready. Okay. Would you rather work the checkout at Walmart on Black Friday or never be able to shop for anything ever again? Oh, that's not fair. That's just wrong. That's what the whole point of this game is about. <laughs> can, can my husband spoil me with gifts so I don't have to shop? Is that, is sure. that included? 
Sure, that'll be fine. Okay, then I'll never shop again. <laughs> okay. Would you rather appear naked at the Super Bowl halftime show or only be able to wear the same outfit or clothing for the rest of your life? Oh, I'll be naked. Really? That was simple. You didn't even mull over that no. one. I, I mean, no. then again, we, I can't we've wear all the same s- thing every day for the rest of my life. That's just wrong. <laughs> and we've all seen you, at least with clothes on. So, yeah, it's probably, uh, probably the right choice. Okay. <laughs> Would you rather twerk or Vogue? Vogue, baby. Vogue. You're not a twerker? <laughs> I got to get someone to get you to twerk on your show. We only have about a minute left, so I have to leave with this one. Your favorite Thanksgiving food. Oh, God. That's so hard. I know Probably it is. My, um my garlic parmesan mashed potatoes. That sounds amazing, and we will expect a recipe posted somewhere. Oh, I don't know. I don't know if I'm going to share. <laughs> well, just take out the secret ingredient and, you know, tell everyone anyway. If you would like to hear more of my interview with Lily Melgar, you can check it out in its entirety. The show aired originally on November 20th, 2015. It is available in the archives, so you can listen to it any time you want. Also featured on the show was author Adam Dries. Had a great chat with him as well. But earlier in the year, one of my guests was someone who doesn't really exist. Okay, so how is that possible? Well, it's a little bit of a riddle, but my guest was Susan Bennett. If that name doesn't sound familiar to you, I guarantee you that you know her probably better than you think, because she is the original voice of Siri, featured on the iPhone and even on some of the iPods and iPads. We wanted to get to know how does one become the voice of an entire generation of Apple products? Well, the answer was not what you would expect, because, I mean, for me, I want to know, how does Siri know the answer to everything that you're going to ask her? Well, let's find out in our number seven show of the year, our seriously epic Mother's Day show. Are you surprised that so many people are fascinated by you? I really am. Uh, You know, for me, it's, um, you know, it was a job. (laughs) <laughs> recording all of this stuff for Siri, and it was a surprise that it turned out to be Siri because the, this stuff was recorded 10 years ago, so I really had no idea where it was going to end up. And uh, it has been very surprising to me that, that people have, have just fallen in love with this app. I mean, they really almost consider her uh, a person. <laughs> they kind of do I've been making some little Instagram videos over here of me asking Siri Siri what do you look like and the answers were are actually kind of funny but something that people will be surprised I- I'm sure they're going on Twitter right now to say so 10 years ago we're talking 2005 it's right. pre a lot of I mean YouTube was in its infancy 10 years ago this is what, top secret? What did you answer? I mean, it's a typical sort of voiceover call where you went in and, and had no idea until when that this was going to be Siri. Well, I do a lot of um, what are called industrial voiceovers, uh, which are kind of tedious, but they, they require a certain kind of skill. So I do a lot of um, narrations and on-hold messaging and that sort of stuff, and I have a particular company that I've been working with locally for many years. And they said, well, look, we have this other company that wants to use your voice, and they're just recording all of these different sounds. And it was uh, it, it was 
it was kind of an adventure. It was something new, <laughs> and it meant a lot of work. And so I said, uh, sure, I'm in. And what it ended up being was recording uh, hundreds and hundreds, thousands even, of uh, phrases and sentences that were created solely to get all of the combinations of sound, all of the sound combinations in, well, for me, the English language. And this took four hours a day, five days a week for the month of July in 2005. And then we did updates uh, in later years. But I had absolutely no idea where all of this was going to end up. Oh, to finish the, you know, the, uh, the progression of, of how that happened, after the recordings are done, the technicians would go in and extract sounds and uh, put them back together to form their own sentences, and this process is called concatenation. And so consequently, um, the thing that made Siri so iconic, the original Siri, so iconic is she was the first concatenated voice that really sounded pretty human. Uh, up to that point, you would have the, hello, thank you for calling. You know, very robotic and very, you know, not, not very... Uh, friendly <laughs> sound. <laughs> and so uh, that's, that's, what, uh, that's why Siri has become this, this big thing, you know? Whether you own an iPhone or an Android, you know the voice of Siri. One of the other things that we all probably know is the feeling of getting caught singing along to a song at a red light. Famous people are no different, including folks who have made a living singing songs. Our number six show of the year featured actor, singer, producer Michael Damien, and he confessed that he was caught at a red light singing song, not by someone in another car, but an entire bus of people. (laughs) Let's take a listen to how that happened. Have you ever been caught by someone at a red light while you're singing to music or the radio or something? Yes. A giant tour, a giant open air tour bus in Hollywood. <laughs> that, 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 you I, know. Was leaving, I was just leaving the Fantasia Theater. I had just performed <laughs> Joseph, and, and I'm in the car and I'm playing. I had a convertible. I had the music blaring. And I'm singing, and I look up, and it's a whole tour bus, and they're all looking down and they're photographing it. It was pretty funny. Did you keep singing? Oh yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. Good. I, 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 I just directed it towards the bus instead of just singing out, you know, towards the stoplight. Okay. Uh, have you ever in a real everyday conversation said to someone, rock on? Absolutely. Have you really? I think I have. <laughs> I think it may have been recently. I've, I'm still stuck in, in the 80s and 90s. Least favorite household chore? Least favorite household chore? Yes. Uh... uh, uh Gosh, um, oh my gosh. All of them but, is acceptable. You can say all of them. I'm fine with sure. that. Uh, yeah, well, I'm good at dishwashing, though, you know? Really? I'm pretty okay. good at it, actually. Yeah, in fact, I, I, we should do a contest where I go to one of your listeners' house and do their dishes. I mean, <laughs> I'm, I'm really... I would like that. I, I think, I it, actually, I think it'd be, be awesome. Let's do it. I, you know what? That's exactly what we're going to do. We'll work on the details of that later. Last question. Is there a talent or skill that you wish you had? Uh, magic. Really? Wow. Yeah. I, I would love to do like a really awesome, like be at like dinner with some people and then just all of a sudden go, and then like, you know, a rabbit pops out or, you know, <laughs> you know what I mean? 
<laughs> or, 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 you know what would be cool, too? Like, I'd like to be talking to the person and and then say, like, oh, my gosh, you've got the same watch that I have and that I've got their actual watch and I'm wearing it. You know what I mean? That would be amazing. Or we can put the two together. Have you? I'd love for you to do a magic trick where all of my dishes in my house become clean. That would be amazing. Um, <laughs> you got to use the dishwasher. I'm telling you, it's a new invention. Mm-hmm. It, just, it came right after the CD player. <laughs> <laughs> if you haven't figured it out just yet, I'm one of those riddles wrapped in a conundrum, wrapped in brownie brittle <laughs> with a side of Fiji water. There are a lot of things that I do that are probably slightly quirky that I probably should not do. One of them is that I like to self-produce shows around the holidays, like today's show. I don't want to bother anybody. I don't want to have anyone have to take time away from their family or their holidays to help me put together this little wonderful rambling hour of radio. However, on the other days of the year, there is an entire squad of people who are behind me, who you don't get to hear on air, who helped me put this show together and make it the success that it is. I was able to celebrate them last month with a special behind-the-scenes look at Kroll Call. I interviewed some of the folks from the Voice America Talk Radio Network. I interviewed the Kroll Call staff members to find out how do we get guests, how does the show go from being me talking to someone to being on the air so that all of you can hear it. It was a really fun show, and then I sort of put the twist on because this was our Day After Thanksgiving episode. I asked everyone for some of their favorite earworms, songs that get stuck in their head and then they wind up singing them for hours or days or weekends. I gotta tell you, the songs that they picked, I ended up singing for probably the entire Thanksgiving weekend. But they were some interesting songs. You learn a lot about people by the songs that get stuck in their head. This is just a small segment of my interview with some of the folks from our behind-the-scenes special. Again, you can hear the entire show in the archives. It aired on November 27th. Go check it out. You'll have some some wonderful music to sing along to, but let's take a little bit of a listen. Then the host goes into host training, uh, so they learn the technical aspects because the beauty of internet radio is you and your guests, as you know, can be absolutely anywhere in the world. Mm-hmm. So you'll get that training. I would like to say before you move on to that, I got the training. I'm pretty sure that I'm not following any of the training that I received, but for some strange reason, it works for me. <laughs> I think you can. I think you follow the training really well, and I say that not because you are my host, but because you people don't even have a clue of how much communication while you're talking and how much skill that takes during a show. You're communicating instant messenger with your live engineer. Uh, he's giving you cues in and out of breaks. You're giving him cues of as he's screening call-ins from your audience of who you're going to take next and where they're from so that you can lead into them properly. It, 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 not everyone can do that. I mean, you know, a lot of people think they can do it, but it takes a certain amount of skill. That's why we always start people here on 13-week pilot series because it has to be a fit for them. It has to be a fit for the network. Um, and, it, you know, you may do a couple little things differently, Dan, but that's also the beauty of talk radio. If everybody did everything the same way, we could just put one show on all day and play it over and over and over again and, you know, because and change the topic because that would be 
you know. You know what? That's not in my contract. I may be contractually obligated to Voice America for the next 714 years or episodes or whatever it is, but I am not doing 24-7 crawl call for your network. I'm sorry. (laughs) It's just not going to happen. I think it would be an interesting concept to do a do a, <laughs> uh, a cold call marathon and <laughs> see how long you could last before you pass out. Could you imagine? Hour seventy two. I'm sitting here licking brownie brittle crumbs off of my desk. Back we to do. you. <laughs> hey, you know we could we could do something like a like a cold call survivor show and see how long you and your guests can last and who gets voted off because they're falling asleep. I think I would be voted off awfully quickly. <laughs> I have to say that the behind the scenes show was really one of my favorite because it allowed me an opportunity to really say thank you to the folks behind the scenes who helped me put this show together each and every week. Without them, it would just be me sitting in a room talking to myself. And while that might amuse me for quite a period of time, I I don't know that it would be worth it because I wouldn't be bringing you guys any joy for the holidays or the rest of the year. Now, this is a countdown of the top 10 most talked about or buzzed about or listened to shows of the year. We are halfway through. We're getting ready for the top five. Let's take a look at what we've talked about so far in this last half hour. We've talked about wolves and turtles. We've talked about little beings that don't really exist that reside in our phones and tablets. We've talked about, oh, being naked. We've talked about being caught singing songs at red lights. Now we're moving into that top five, and these topics are probably just as interesting. Now keep in mind that this is a countdown of the year's most talked about and listened to shows. The next show that we're about to talk about took place just last week, on December 18th. And already, it is one of the most listened to shows coming in at number four. It's my talk with ABC executive Nathan Varney. When he dropped by, we planned to talk a little bit about General Hospital and some of the primetime shows on ABC, but we really got so wrapped up in talking about GH that we didn't have a chance to get to the primetime stuff. So what was so exciting, what was so riveting, what was going on that we were talking about that kept us from talking about other things? Well, let's take a little bit of a listen to find out. But at the same time, I, you know, just despite popular opinion, the network does not dictate 100% of the story. We don't sit around saying, here's what we'd like you to do next. You know, we really give trust in all of our ABC shows. It's not just General Hospital, but there's a philosophy here at ABC that you really, really want to trust the writers of the show. It's, it's, it's you know, in, in a sense, it's their show. Yes, it's the fan show as well, and I totally respect that as well. But, uh, you know, it's, it's these, these creative guys, men and women, who write our shows, both primetime and daytime, are, are, to me, a tremendous talent. So a lot of times, you know, you, you want to go with the guys, the men and women who you've paid to, to come up with the creative on the show. And, and sometimes you got to just trust your gut instinct and, and, you know, and pull the trigger. Well, let's talk about that. We, we sure. know, in theory, what writers do. We know, in theory, what executive producer does. And, and, yeah, you've mentioned what the network does or doesn't do. What is your responsibility? How do you fit into this puzzle? What is it that you do in, in the puzzle that is GH to make things get to the air? How do you fall into that? Yeah, absolutely. Um, we have a current programming department, so every single show, regardless if it's you know Grey's Anatomy, General Hospital, Scandal, the, the Middle, any show has what's called a current executive, and the current executive is responsible for kind of you know the quality control is what I, I tend to tell people the most. 
uh, ABC has purchased these these shows and has hired writers and producers to make the shows. However, there's a template usually that, especially on the primetime side, because most of our shows, you know, well, none of our shows have been around for as long as General Hospital. So there's a show that you have purchased that you want to make sure the quality is, is you know, equal to a great pilot and that you keep the consistency. So there is a portion of, of network executives' job to give creative feedback on all story pitches and outlines and scripts and then we you know we see rough cuts and and we'll give any kind of feedback that is needed um, from our end and then we also you know on, on the primetime side we'll work with our development executives as well on new shows on the first like six or seven episodes together so um, the people that were really in the know of, of developing a show and and shooting the pilot and getting that show to series it's really important to ABC to you know to try to get every single show to be a success and obviously that that doesn't happen in our in the TV business too much because it is kind of a business of failure but so there's a lot of that quality control just kind of keeping the wheels in motion um, in addition on general hospital we don't have a studio for example like you know YNR and Bold and the Beautiful and Days of Our Lives has Sony television as a partner uh, ABC owns general hospital so we act as our own studio counterparts the studio part is really interesting to me because it is less about the actual note giving and, and less about the creative and more about the nuts and bolts in the day to day, which includes budgets and casting. Uh, uh, I do a lot of uh, integrated marketing. Uh, I work with that team out of New York and LA to see, you know, uh, usually the nurses ball has a sponsor. That's all part of an integration plan. So we work a lot with sponsors. Uh, we work on General Hospital with Shriners Hospital. We're going to be coming back doing another story in February uh, with Shriners Hospital. Um, it's not going to be a burn story, but it is going to be another um, another area of expertise that Shriners is, is great at. So we work with their doctors and, and their medical experts in kind of formulating the perfect story that everyone's happy with. So there's a lot of a lot of kind of overseeing and, and making sure everyone is connecting with each other. There's a, you know, I consider myself a liaison between all the various departments. We have so many departments at ABC. You know, we have broadcast and standards, and we have a whole digital department. We have a social media department. We have a huge marketing department. So my job is also to keep our internal departments updated of what we're working on in terms of story. Um, I have a meeting every other week with marketing to go over, like, okay, here are the big plot points and stories coming up for Jen. January and February, and here's kind of like the immediate stories coming up for the holiday ball, and 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 here's you know Frank will shoot stuff on his iPhone, and we send that to social media to promote. Um, Digital puts together holiday videos sometimes. They also put together clips of the day. They do sneak previews of tomorrow. So I'm always looking at kind of seeing what their work is, what what they're what they're planning to do for the next week or for the next couple of months. So it's it's a lot of just behind the scenes. Uh, putting people together, having a voice, making sure that, you know, my job is really to support the show and make sure that we're all supporting the show from the network level. We are almost to the top of our countdown of the 10 most listened to episodes of Kroll Call in 2015. We are going to continue a little bit of a theme that you may have noticed here. Our number three show features an Emmy-winning star of General Hospital and The Young and the Restless, It's Michelle Stafford. Back in June, Michelle reached out to me and said, hey, let's do a show. I mean, when Michelle Stafford messages you and reaches out to you and calls you and says, hey, 
let's do a show, you don't say no. You say, hey, when do you want to do it? And she said, let's do it on June 26th. She dropped by for the entire hour. We talked about her digital series, The Secret Mind of the Single Mom. Of course, we had to talk about her illustrious soap career and all the things that she's doing. But there was one of those moments that you don't necessarily plan for in a show. Something that comes up, you ask a simple question that sort of takes on a life of its own. And for me, I wanted to pick up on the title of her digital series. I wanted to find out what sort of secret minds, what sort of secret life, what sort of secrets had Michelle kept? And her response was fascinating. So let's take a listen to that portion of my interview with Michelle Stafford. The name of your digital series, and it's The Secret Mind of a Single Mom. So without revealing what it is, what is the longest you've ever kept a secret? (gasps) Ah. Well, okay. Um, I kept the secret of my daughter from um, my co-workers at The Young and the Restless um, for about, uh, three years. Wow. I kept the secret. Yeah. I kept the secret that I was going to have a child for about three years. I started with adoption and, um, then went through IVF mm-hmm. and, um, and I remember like I was doing the IVF stuff. I was injecting myself at work with the hormones cause you have to do it. And I'd go out and I remember one time I had to do, um, um, hysterist- Oh, hysteroscopy. I had to do a hysteroscopy. And um, and I literally had a scene in the morning. I drove to the doctor's office, did this hysteroscopy. They put a bunch of fluid up, you know, mm-hmm. in ya. Mm-hmm. And then and I came back and I did a love scene with Josh Morrow. And I like that would just crack me up. Like, and nobody knew. And I was doing IVF. And anyone who's done IVF, you know, like right before they do the surgery to like pluck those those eggs out sorry you didn't know you were gonna get a talk like this right <laughs> um, hey i wanted to be a doctor so it works right oh, okay cool well your belly is really big right it's huge because you know it, it just trust me it's huge and i you know like josh would like I, we'd hug in the scene i'm like i'm like not too tight i have fluid and he'd be like fluid what are you talking about <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, it was so funny. I'm like, I'm just going through a thing. Just trust me. Don't don't hug too tight. And he'd be like, Oh my god, are you okay? <laughs> did you oh. eventually I mean did it eventually come back? Did you say, Oh hey, oh, FYI, oh remember all those times? Oh, no, yes, when I told him. I mean, really I just remember telling people and, and they were and I think that Josh Morrow was the most shocked. He said, You could have told me anything else and I would have been like, Yeah, he said, I'm done at this news because I think I I told people that I when when uh, my surrogate was about five months pregnant is when I told after the amnio results came back um, that's when I started telling people um, that I was gonna have a baby and so yeah I kept it so I guess for three years I kept the secret wow that's a long yeah. time for folks. Yeah, and especially with something like this, that it was so important to me. But I just knew, I didn't want, you know, I didn't want it not to work and people to ask questions. And I just, and it never interfered with my work. And, um, yeah. 
We are down to the wire here. Just two episodes left. Do you think you know what the number one most listened to episode of Curl Call in 2015 was? Well, you might, because there's only but 52 episodes to choose from. So you've got a pretty good odds. I mean, this is not Powerball. You have a really good chance of winning. I will say that I am very glad in a twisted sort of way that this next episode came in at number two, because if it came in at number one, it would not only encourage bad behavior, but it would encourage just more years and years of unease on my part. Back in March, for two hours, I was forced to sit here on my hands, not being able to have any control of the show, while some of my favorite people saluted 20 years of the SoapCentral.com website. It was a two-hour extravaganza of surprise guests, and I tell you, I did not know anyone who was going to be a part of the show. I had no idea who was going to come on. I had no idea what they were going to say, but it turned out to be a pretty amazing two hours of my life. Two hours at I'll never get back, (laughs) but I'm fine with having given up these two hours. There are so many bits and pieces and highlights from the 20th anniversary of SoapCentral.com that I can't really pick one that is better than the others. So what you're going to need to do is, at your leisure, or leisure, I'd say leisure, leisure sounds fancier. Um, when you have a couple of moments of time, head on over to the archives at curlcall.com or to iTunes. You can download the two-hour special. It aired on March 27th. Take a listen to it. A lot of your favorite daytime stars are in there. A lot of your favorite moments of me squirming are in there. But for now, let's take a little bit of a listen to some of the highlights from that show. All right, next up we have... Uh, we have somebody that's had more careers than your typical soap opera character, and that's saying something. She is an actress, an author, okay. and believe okay. it or not, a hypnotist. She's even had her own makeup <laughs> line. Somehow she's found time to swing by and visit us. Hello, Catherine Hicklin. How are you? I don't think we have Catherine Hicklin. <laughs> she was probably called away by one of her many animals. She has like a zoo of 7,000 animals. She's got a oh chicken that I rides in the passenger seat with her. I realized what you were doing. I was like, no, no, I don't think we have that. What we do have. Oh, my God. You know what? That's how busy she is. She's so busy that she's not here. <laughs> no, Catherine Hickson, we don't have Catherine. <laughs> oh, my hey, God. Yeah. I just really. <laughs> oh, this is my favorite show ever. <laughs> I was so bad. Oh what we do have is a clip from someone, and Dan, I want you to listen very carefully to what I'm gosh. about to say. Let me just check and make sure. Yes, we have, a, we have a clip from someone who couldn't be here, but who is the answer to a question later this evening. Oh, Jesus. Okay. So, go ahead, play the clip. I am Ronnie Marmo. I play Ronnie Domestico on General Hospital. And I just want to say thank you, Dan Cole, for creating uh, such a great outlet of, for, the, for General Hospital. And we don't get enough press or coverage, and so this is awesome, and thank you. Perfect. <laughs> Ooh, you guys are going to get me till the end of these two hours. Gotta keep it together. <laughs> <laughs> so, I'm just going to keep throwing intros out of people that aren't on the show. Oh my <laughs> God, that'd be, that'd be totally so true. much easier. 
And then I'll pretend to be those people. We'll see if I can imitate the people that you think are calling in. <laughs> I can fake an accent. We'll, we'll have... Uh, uh, Hello, it's James Scott, Colin. There you go. James Scott was on the show. Wow, that was the worst James Scott <laughs> I've ever heard. It sounded more like one of the maids on Downton Abbey. <laughs> well, you know, tomato, tomato. See, it's not so easy to host this show now, is it, Chriselle and Richard? <laughs> they are so much fun. I could not think of anyone else that I would rather have host the anniversary episode than Chriselle Staus and Richard Sims. They've been here on the show outside of the anniversary time. Uh, so much fun. Uh, hopefully, they'll be back to help celebrate the 21st anniversary of SoapCentral.com coming up in March of 2016. Sounds so far away is really close. So that's it. We're down to the number one show. What do you think? Do you think you know who it is? So far, we've heard from Jonah White, Christy Farris, Lily Melgar, Susan Bennett, the voice of Siri, Michael Damien, our behind-the-scenes look at Kroll Call, Nathan Varney, Michelle Stafford, and the 20th anniversary of SoapCentral.com. I will give you some hints to what number one is. It's a show that almost didn't happen because I couldn't get the folks who I wanted to be on the show all together at the same time. The second clue is that it is one of our music shows. It is now the most popular music show that we've done here on Kroll Call, and it's probably because this music is not just the music of a generation, it is the music of many generations. It's timeless. It is music that you... We'll even hear now on Christmas, there is a, a Christmas song from this particular label that is still popular because, I mean, who doesn't like the Jackson 5 singing Christmas songs? The number one show of 2015 is from, ironically, my birthday, March 6th. It is our Motown music special, the guests were Jameson Scott and Patrice Covington, who at the time were members of the first national tour of Motown the Musical. Patrice is now on Broadway in the color purple. Jameson is still part of Motown the Musical. I would strongly recommend checking it out if it comes to your area. But for now, let's take a listen to why this show was the most listened to show of 2015. There are so many songs smashed into the show, um, but it is such a roller coaster. I mean, and to listen to the crowd react every night, um, we don't do a lot of the full versions of the songs, but we do, we pack as many in as we possibly can. The interesting thing for me in relationship to the show is that I've learned so much. It's not, it's a history lesson. That's really what this show is. And then you have all the music that you've you know, grown up with and loved that you still hear today. But I learned so much just by being at the show. I mean, I didn't know how much this music influenced the civil rights movement. And that to me was amazing. And also in incredibly timely. I know that you guys were in St. Louis mm. and certainly there's a, there's a line without giving anything away. It mentions, you know, trigger happy policemen. Yeah. And the response from the audience, Patrice, I'd imagine, was probably very powerful. It certainly was. And it was powerful for all of us that night, actually. It was just, you know, it was really heavy for all of us because literally we could, 
you know, smell the smoke from the fires of the burning buildings yeah. when we walked outside of the theater or outside of wherever we were staying in St. Louis. Um, it was just really, I don't know what other word to say other than heavy. So to sing that song and to, for it to be so relevant, it was... It was definitely moving for everybody involved, audience to actors to crew. It was it was something. And it's sort of with that, you know, with a lot of the things with the music and how they impact and, and how it still, as I said, still with the timeline. There's not, not quite necessarily as serious a song, but uh, I guess if you, you start to pick apart and dissect things, it doesn't matter what you wear just as long as you are there. Doesn't necessarily, when you think of the song, it's more celebratory. But again, when you start to, to pick things, perhaps mm-hmm. there are other meanings, which leads us into Patrice, your choice. We are doing Yay. favorite Motown song by a group. We are going to put those in little finger quotes. That's what I'm doing here at the mic, because <laughs> some of these choices may not necessarily be groups. But Patrice, what did you pick and why? Well, I chose Martha and the Vendellas Dancing in the Street because I do actually really love the song. And it's actually my number one favorite production number in the entire Broadway first national touring production of Motown the Musical because I sing it. Yes, she does. She sings it. Uh, thank you, boo. And you but sang. I think you sang. <laughs> yeah, sang. But I love it not just because it's my song in the show, but I feel like it's the one production number in the show that has Broadway, like everything about it. Like it has the crazy lights, it has the quick changes, it's got sparkles, it's got singing, it's got dancing. It's an anthem. It is. It is. And everybody, almost everybody in the show is in it at some point. So it's a fun one, and I think everybody equally loves it. We we cut up. We act, we have a lot of fun during that number every yeah, day. We do. <laughs> so we got you to sing a little bit in the last blip. <laughs> Can you give us a little singing introduction to this song? Nope, you got to come down. Just <laughs> <laughs> I'll sing ticket. a little t- little tidbit. Um, it doesn't matter what you wear, just as long as you are there. So come on, every guy, grab a girl, everywhere around the world we're dancing. There you have it, the top 10 episodes of Kroll Call in 2015. What do you think? Were those the episodes that you expected to make the top 10? Are there any that you were surprised that didn't make the top 10? Are there any that you're happy to see that made the top 10. I want to know what you think of this week's show. I also want to know what you think of the show in general, because as 2016 rolls around, I'm here tweaking and making sure that this show continues to grow, it continues to get better, it continues to be more of what you want to hear. So send me a message at Dan J. Kroll, that's my personal account, or at Kroll Call Show on the Twitter machine. I'll get back to you if I can. You can also track me down probably on Facebook and on Instagram. I'm Dan J. Kroll everywhere. Even though I don't say the J, it's in everything that I do. I want to thank everyone who has listened to the show, whether you've listened to every show of the past year or whether you're a newer listener. I appreciate your support. I appreciate you tuning in. I hope that you enjoy what you hear. I also want to thank everyone behind the scenes at Kroll Call and at the Voice America Talk Radio Network for helping me get this show off the ground, for helping me keep it on the air, for helping me be interesting. I also would like to thank myself. No, I'm just kidding. I do want to take this opportunity to say that 
Usually on our Christmas show, we do some bests and we do some worst, and we're still working on that. We may do that closer to 2016, but there is a tradition that we always have is we have to end with some sort of Christmas song. That will be no different. The song that you're about to hear is a song that we play, I think, almost every year for our Christmas song. It's because it's dramatic, and who doesn't love a good dramatic Christmas song? It is by the Trans-Siberian Orchestra. It's Christmas Eve in Sarajevo. On behalf of everyone at Kroll Call, I want to wish you a very Merry Christmas, a Happy Holidays, a Happy New Year. We'll see you back here on January 1st. 2016.